For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The pads are on, the contact is about to begin, and there's a lot to talk about Bulldog football practice. So let's do it here in the Doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to this Monday evening edition of the Doghouse. I'm your host, David Murray, and our sponsor is BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Mississippi State is four days into preseason football camp, Zark Garnett's team has been at it since this past Friday. The past two days have been in full gear, although not full contact. Now, I say that the uh, past couple of days, uh, Sunday and Monday, when we've been able to observe practice, we've seen a couple of pretty sharp pops given and taken by offense and defense. No tackling to the ground just yet, but uh, you can tell the guys are ready to start sticking each other for real. And that begins now as they move into day five. Yes, they've served the NCAA acclimation period. Uh, Zach Arnett has his own opinion on such things, but uh, that what else do you expect from a guy who's been a defensive coordinator for so long? Anyway, State has been practicing in the mid-mornings, wrapping up around noon or a little before. We've done our interviews then. State will do it for the first six sessions, two more days of these morning workouts, then start alternating up to the start of classes. And by the way, Wednesday starts the next phase, not just contact phase, but they're going to the farm. Yes, Zach Arnett is bringing back something that Dan Mullen initiated, uh, the idea of practicing on South Farm. Now, as I said earlier today on a radio show, the the practice fields that Mullen had uh, worked up back uh, some years ago, well, over a decade ago, in fact, uh, it really was kind of an isolated feeling out there. And the first day, in fact, he made a great point of uh, the cows from South Farm topping over the hill and only ones allowed to observe practice for a while there. Well, obviously, they didn't get any uh, leaks out at that time. However, since then, intramurals have moved into that area of the campus, uh, vet farm, all those things. So it's screened off, but that will just add to the isolation factor as the Bulldogs get back to working and what they will feel like is something a little special. Now, you and I both know that uh, the practice should be the same wherever you are, whether it's on the the genuine practice fields by SEAL or the farm, but there's just something a little bit spicy about getting out there, the shared suffering that's involved, and leading up to the days, especially when you know all your fellow students are just about in town with move-in days going on on campus, and yet classes don't start for another week, so it's just going to be football for these Bulldogs until then. So that's uh, how we stand. And by the way, our media reports, I have to stress, we only get to watch the last 20 minutes of practice. Uh, used to, it was first 20 minutes. I'm going to tell you, it is far better what we have now. Thank you, Zach Arnett. And frankly, more than a lot of our SEC peers get, period, not just preseason, regular season. So we get to watch some 7-on-7, 11-on-11 work, and it's been productive for our writing and reporting as well. By the way, let's also report first about our sponsor, Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchups for reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. 
Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAVE, that's all caps, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Well, Mississippi State starts full contact tomorrow, and we'll get to see the last 20 minutes of it. I believe we get two more days where media can watch the final periods of each session before they start closing it down, and then we only talk to the players and coaches after they've returned from practice. I'm not complaining. As I said, um, there's many of our SC programs and media who don't get to see anything in preseason, uh, or in the regular season for that matter. I'm not one of those old-fashioned guys who will complain about, well, in the good old days, the good old days are gone. Uh, There's so much more going on, and media has no right to watch practice, although it does get a little annoying when they let ESPN or other TVs in to watch when um, other media can't. I guess that comes with paying zillions of dollars to the SEC, but hey, that's just me. It's just making us work a little harder with what we get into this point, uh, Arnett and staff. We haven't talked to the coordinators yet. That's coming soon. And the veterans we've talked to have been real informative, good attitudes, and just helpful to us. So we like it. What stands out so far in camp? Well, the defensive line, I'm going to go start on that side. Surprise. They're playing well, playing hard, playing aggressive. You knew that at But they've got some depth taking shape, too. I mean, when you have guys like Calvin Dinkins and Eric Taylor getting involved in the act at the tackle and nose guard positions, in fact, Taylor can play both, you start feeling a little bit better about positions that you were wondering what kind of bodies did you have, especially back in spring when there were only a two at times, true defensive lineman to throw out there. The same holes at defensive end. Monte Russell's playing well, but he's got some guys trying to develop depth behind him. It's not just depth that Sam Linebacker, J.P. Purvis, is clinging to a lead, maybe, over John Lewis right now on the strong side. And the thing here, as Arnett says, neither of these Sam Linebackers are guaranteed a regular job or even guaranteed they're going to be a linebacker in certain sets because Matt Brock is honestly looking at using some four-man fronts, if not technically four down linemen. You know, with the spring debate we had of a 3-3 versus a 4-2, it's not an either-or, it's a both-and now which doesn't even mention the fact that uh, you might be in pulling one of those three safeties to get a third linebacker into a 4-3 sort of set that Emery Ballard would have recognized and cheer. My larger point is that while in no sense we're diminishing the losses from last year like Tyra Sweet and Randy Charlton, there are pieces to put in places and some depth as well. Uh, back at safety, uh, Preston Banks, he's just... Uh, he's, he's, I'm sorry, Sean Preston. I don't know why I keep doing that. Yes, I have it written down the na- last names here. Okay, Sean Preston, you know, the veteran of the bunch, he's holding on to a first-team position while Marcus Banks, the converted cornerback, uh, they're playing inside well. And Jordan Morant, he's coming on strong this camp and has moved ahead of Corey Ellington as best we can judge at this point. I'm not ruling out one or more of the other safeties making some preseason moves either. Um, you know, Banks, the way he's played at the safety position, having converted over from cornerback, Not the most physical guy, but he's playing hard and playing smart there. And I just like what Morant's done because I thought he finished strong well in spring, but he must have done better than I thought because he has jumped into the first unit to start camp now here in the fall. And he's not giving it up right now. As far as the offensive side, about the only surprise I would say is how many wrinkles Kevin Barbet is already flashing for public display. That's especially the use or uses of his tight ends. These summer transfers, Jaquarius Spivey and Ryland Good, 
They're plugging right in despite missing springs. And what else would we expect of a couple of transfers who played on opposite sides of the national championship game last January? Uh, Spivey's lining up as a true tight end most of the time, but also flanking out as a slot type receiver. Imagine being the linebacker safety that has to take a stance over there and look and say, okay, 6'4", 250 pounds, and can run right past me. What do I do with this guy? Well, what you do is you hope not to get humiliated on a block or get blown by, but uh, Spivey is playing really well, getting open, catching passes, and also providing good downfield blocks for receivers. At the same time, in Barbe's system, the true wide receivers are getting downfield and providing blocks for the tight ends. And I mentioned Good and others, that he's working at H-back a few times, a set we saw in spring ball with the tight ends who were present at the time. And yes, there have been sets where both of these guys have been on the field at the same time, but there's also been uh, times neither were on the field. Not because they're not using a tight end there, it's just because Barbe wants to run four wides. The air raid ain't gone yet. It's just been transformed. As far as the wide receivers, Justin Robinson uh, doing what you would expect of the way he finished the season, Jaden Wally, Tulu Griffin, they're the usual first trio, but there's been quite a lot of alternating going on so far as they mix and match second, even third team guys to get in snaps with the veterans at times. And one to watch is Creed Whitmore. Yeah, we liked him a lot back in spring and early in Rolly. It's not just because he can run around and catch a pass. He can throw a pass. They've Yes, Barbe has flashed the wide receiver option pass, a throwback and then a downfield throw, and he's got a good arm. We saw, of course, Tulu try to do the same thing in spring. Not quite as effective, but he still claims he's got a great arm. Well, Creed Whitmore, he's already got a good arm. So my point there is you're going to see some gadgets from Barbe, like I mentioned, how he uses tight ends. He's lined up the running backs as a true tailback position sometimes, which is great for a guy like Woody Marks when now he's got an extra blocker ahead of him. In fact, I was teasing Marks a little bit in Sunday's interviews when he came and asked him, well, what's it going to be like now that you have a tight end in front of you blocking guys that uh, in the air raid sometimes you had to block? He just laughed and talked about, oh, he's so relieved that he's not taking on the defensive lineman now that he did in the past. That's now... Spivey's duty, but he also said Spivey's good enough that he's going to get past that lineman, take out the linebacker, leaving a safety for Marks to go put a hit on. In fact, Marks said highlight, meaning he expects to get some attention for how he blocks as well as how he runs, but let's just say he's running the ball well. It's been fun this uh, week when they reran on the SEC Network the 2022 Egg Bowl and seeing how well Jaquavius and Dylan Johnson, too, ran the ball. And Marks wasn't even healthy most of the game. It reminds me of what Marks was capable of, not just in that game, but if you'll go back to the 2020 Armed Forces Bowl when the weather made State stay on the ground more than usual. State could run the ball even in the air raid. Well, now they're not in the air raid, and they're really intent on running the ball and doing it well so far in spring. But, always have to say, no tackling so far. We'll see how it works. By the way, as far as the receiver and the tight end, that tunnel screen that Mike Leach was so fond of and uh, so often frustrating because it went for little or no gains there, it sure seems to work better when you've got a tight end in the mix out there coming out and taking out a defender and giving a guy like Griffin a chance to scoot. Well, he did in one practice play this week. And despite traffic, uh, Will Rogers got the ball to him. Spivey uh, shielded off a couple of defenders, and there went Tulu gone. 
yeah, that bubble screen is going to be entirely different sort of play. This tunnel screen, I mean, sorry, tunnel screen is going to be an entirely different animal this coming season, the way Kevin Barbe is calling the plays. Uh, the offensive line. Now, I want to be gracious to my peers with national radio shows who keep commenting that the Bulldog blocking has to be the biggest adjustment on this offense, going from the air raid to traditional run blocking. They're wrong, or at least I believe they're wrong, and they ought to know better, too, because most of these guys came up run blocking in high school and junior college. Yes, they've been in the air raid variously one, two, three years at this point, but I truly think, from what I've seen so far, it's actually easier to go from air raid blocking to more traditional offensive blocking than vice versa. I think State showed a lot of that back in 2020 when, you know, we remember the controversy over the wide splits or watching the tackles, not really being sure about their footwork and getting beat. Well, and that was a guy getting beat who's now an NFL draftee at tackle and playing well for Seattle. What I'm saying is I just think could be wrong. I mean, these peers could exactly be right because they most of them played the game. I didn't. But I still think this line is going to adjust to Barbe's system of run pass uh, and regular type running, sweep running, quarterback keepers, those sorts of things, a whole lot easier than anyone expects because it's what they like doing. And in fact, the best quote of the camp so far came from tackle Cameron Jones. We were talking to him also on Sunday and he was asked about what it's like going from the air raid to this. And he said he and his fellow linemen, uh, they're happy that they're not having to back up 80 times a game in pass blocking. little exaggeration, but you get the point. And he said they're so excited about blocking in the run game that they're, quote, ready to smash something. Well, they can start tomorrow in full contact with the defensive line, which will smash back, as we know. But, yeah, the theme comes through. This line is ready to get out there and assert their will going downhill in front of a guy like Jaquavius Marks or Simeon Price, or you got the freshman Flash out there, uh, Seth Davis, and Kevon Lee, who I've been impressed with so far, a bigger, stronger type running back, the transfer from Penn State. He's made some good plays, especially running between the tackles. Now, we've talked, obviously, Rodgers, he's gained some weight. Uh, he began camp at 217. We talked to him after a couple of days. He said he's already down under 215, thanks to sweat, but... He'll get his weight back in time for the season start. He is definitely bigger. Uh, he's obviously stronger. And he has a nice grip on an offense at this point with so much still to be involved. That's what needs to be stressed there. Will Rogers is going to run this offense well. But there's still a couple of weeks of install left. And there's weeks to refine this before he gets into actual game preparation. I think he'll do well at it. He certainly fits in nice men mentally with Barbe. He knows his offensive line in front of him. So I'm not at least worried about Will Rogers. However, it is encouraging how Mike Wright has been throwing the ball so far. He's hitting some downfield strikes, some pylon strikes as well. Yeah, he still has his misfires. But in non-contact work, again, can't be stressed often enough, with the pass rush kind of dialed back, he's been throwing the ball well vertically and has just has a good look downfield. And, of course, he can always tuck and go how that works out now when the defense can come after them. Uh, that green jersey will keep him from being tackled, but he's going to feel the heat once the full contact stuff gets going. The one things, two things we have not seen at all in camp so far, place kicking or punting. 
Again, that's by virtue of us showing up late in the drills. Apparently, uh, we can ask, we don't know for sure, but got to assume that those areas are being drilled earlier in practice when media is not allowed to observe. Again, no complaints here. We got to see um, Nicholas Barmira uh, kicking the ball in back in spring, and yeah, he had some good days, but still could be more consistent. Keelan Crimmins, I think, is going to take that punting job and uh, run with it as an Australian-type punter, quite literally in that regard. But we don't know that because we haven't been able to see it. That said, no complaints still about how much we get deserved because 20 minutes at the end watching team-on-team football is infinitely better than watching guys stretch. So four days down, what do we think? Well, it's encouraging so far. I'm not going to sit here and say that anything I've seen is going to make me really radically adjust my expectations for the team. Uh, we'll let that play out as camp goes on. I'm, and, but again, we were all encouraged and positive coming into camp of what this team would be capable of. And I guess the big takeaway is I've seen nothing so far in these observation periods that makes me want to say, no, I think they're going to be weak at this position. I don't think this position is going to be particularly strong, uh, maybe a little disappointing there. State has everything seen so far in non-contact. You know, you're getting tired of hearing me say that. It's been positive. It's been encouraging. Yeah, I'd like to see Rogers completing more of his throws, um, but he's trying more things within the context of this offense that he's still learning. And again, you're not reliant on passing entirely. It's been interesting, too, to watch, say, uh, there was a period, I believe it was Sunday, and that we got to see in red zone offense. They just lined up and ran the ball three straight times. And Woody Marks got the job done. Of course, uh, then another day later, they're back in red zone, and they run three straight pass plays in there with Mike Wright. Think about that. They're doing red zone stuff with the running quarterback throwing passes. That's the kind of versatility and broad-range offense that Barbe wants this team to be capable of. Anything, anywhere in the field. And we're seeing it flashed in practice. And soon again, they're going to close down practice, so we may not see a whole lot more. But just taking off what we have been able to observe so far, all indications are positive at this point. Stress on at this point. Of course, we would update you otherwise. Now, as far as injuries, we are not supposed to talk about injuries. Been told about that. So we haven't seen any. Take that as you will. But uh, all, all I will say, and this is not about injuries, but uh, I haven't seen anybody in the first or second groups noticeably missing. And I think that's a pretty positive sign. But uh, what do I know? We're not really supposed to talk about it, and we won't. No, I'm not trying to be clever or sly on that. I'm just saying the fact is state looks healthy. I will say this too. They look happy. They haven't started hitting each other yet, but I know the defense is going to be happy about that. And frankly, from what I've heard from the offensive players talk to, especially the linemen and running backs, they're ready to start taking some contact too and prove themselves in this well-balanced offense. So good news from Bulldog football camp so far. And that's our report here from the doghouse. Now, we're going to see if we can link Zach Arnett's post-practice interview from Monday. And if we're successful, well, listen to it and enjoy because we covered a range of topics there. And let's see, what were the questions I asked? I know I asked him about how they split up practice schedules, about how they get enough snaps for the young guys to develop and yet keep on track with their veterans 
to develop them because at some point you really have to narrow it down and get ready for the guys who are going to play. did a good job answering that, of course. He also talked about uh, how he's willing to even, he said all the three years he was here already, he had talked about getting out of the 3-3 if that's what the personnel dictated. Of course, the personnel never did when you had guys like Wheat and Charlton. But now they may be considering it because the defensive line seems a little deeper than expected. You're getting some guys developing an outside linebacker that will allow you to do that. And frankly, there's still some uncertainties at the safety position as well. So Arnett covers a lot of ground. He gave us a good more than 10 minutes or so. And we'll talk to Arnett not too long after they start farming down there. And no, I was not the wise guy today and suggest that they use little feats down on the farm as their theme song, I guess modern generations would use that country song came out a few years back uh, down on the farm as well. But hey, I'm a 70s guy and uh, Little Feet was a fun band with the Lowell George before he went crazy. Ancient history there, but still fun. All right, let's see if we can get this Zacharnet interview linked. This has been The Doghouse with your host, David Murray, and our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. And if you like what you've been hearing, give us a like on Apple Podcast. So how do you think the guys have kind of progressed in camp the last uh, last couple of days? Because, you know, the first day you seemed like you guys were incredibly far away from being ready to play in a football game. I think those were the words. No, I think you're I think you're mistaking. I said it's hard to judge how far you are from playing in a football game when you haven't yet put on shoulder pads. And actually, right? <laughs> yep. So that's mischaracterization. <laughs> no, I mean, it's day four camp. Obviously, it's been hot here, right? Uh, so guys are getting acclimated to the weather. Obviously, uh you know, you get to put on pads after two days, right? You go full pads next is the next progression. And so uh, it takes a little time to get your body in condition for that, right? Football shape is different than meeting a running test, you know, on a report day at camp. It just it just is. Every football player knows that. So I've I've appreciated the effort we're given. Right? I think we try to be try to be physical. Uh, by all means we do have a long way to go. We got a lot of ways to improve, but that's probably every team in America right now after day four. Got, um, I know you love competition in camp or spring practice, whenever it is. You love guys pushing each other. I know it's still early in camp. It seems like that back and forth competition is Sam linebacker between JP and John has continued in the early stages of camp and, and, and both those guys pushing each other. Yeah, those guys come out to work, right? They've done a nice job. Obviously, they got, I mean, replacing Tyrus Wheat and obviously all the different hats he wore in our defense the last couple of years is going to be a, a challenge. Um, but they've certainly come to work, right? And we're throwing everything at them. Uh, you know, the thing to keep in mind too is they're not just battling each other for that job; they're battling they're battling the defensive ends for are we better off in a, a an odd defense or are we better off in an even defense, right? I mean, yeah, you, know, you got to get your best eleven players on the field. So if we can get four D linemen who bring us, give us more than playing with a Sam linebacker, all right? That's that's on the table too. Speaking of competition, I mean, those guys in the secondary, losing a couple of them headlined by Forbes. What do you think of kind of that group so far through through a couple of days, and what are you expecting to see from them? Yeah, you know, first couple of days, obviously you don't have a pass rush, right, because you can't hit and really rush pass. So uh, I was pretty nervous, right? I mean, we got we to gotta replace a lot of snaps back there between Forbes and all the amazing things he did, right? But really, I probably didn't sing their praises enough. Colin Duncan and Jalen Green in the safety position. You know, Jackie Matthews. We lost all three all three safeties who played probably the majority of the reps. You got Sean coming back. He's played a bunch of reps too, so that's good to have some veteran presence there. But yeah, we we are inexperienced in the back end, and that is extremely concerning as a coach. Uh, you don't you don't sleep very 
well at night if you're a secondary coach or myself right now because fast way to lose lose a game is big plays, explosive plays through the air, right? Uh, and so we are having to develop some experience and quality of play in a hurry because teams are better at throwing and catching the football than ever before in the history of football right now. It's being aired out and spread out all over the field. So uh, we got a young secondary who's going to get challenged early and often. What kind of advice would you kind of give guys like that, you know, that are – if you're worried about it and wanting them to be, you know, ready in, in a short period of time, is there any kind of advice or, or anything like that you give them? I take your D-line. I take your pass rush out to dinner every now and then, man. Make sure they're ready to go because that's your, probably your best friend as a secondary guy is a good pass rush. Sticking on the lines of competition with uh, wide receivers who are maybe borderline starter, borderline you know, sec- uh, backup guys, what are you looking for for them to sort of maybe break through that that starting wall and, and, and crack the, the starting yeah, well, I think our officer coaches obviously do a good job of knowing what every guy's strength is, right? And so you can kind of individualize certain plays or schemes for them, you know. Uh, some guys are better point of attack, right, and create movement in the run game. Other guys maybe want more backside cutoff. Some guys give you more in certain areas of the pass game than others, right? And so, uh, I mean, obviously competition, if you got a well-rounded guy, it makes it great, right? we got a couple well-rounded guys, but – everyone's got their strengths and weaknesses and so we're figuring out that and I would repeat the same thing that I said about the same linebackers all those tight ends are under the same challenge well they're they're competing with either the fourth receiver or maybe a second running back in the game right I mean if we're if you're best with four wideouts on the game going 10 personnel you're going to do that if you're best in 20 personnel and putting a second running back right you can run all those same run schemes with another running back and get to the same pass concepts so and that's the challenge in front of all of us as coaches right now. You're four days in. You can't make final decisions about who your best 11 are, but every day you get a little bit more info and a little bit more film to, you know, to make that evaluation. We're trying to figure out who the best personnel is on the field to give us the best chance to, to win. Well, I know the line is wide receiver. Freddie Roberson got here last month, and obviously he's played a lot of college snouts, but mm-hmm. how is he adapting to, to this level so far? Oh, he's doing good. Yeah, I mean, he's doing well. I had a little bit of a, you know, I think he got stepped on his toe or something yesterday that I think probably most guys would have would have happily took today off. And he was he ran out there and said, "No, nah, coach, I'm going." So you certainly appreciate that. You like you like tough guys in a receiver room. Uh, I, I think our wideout group's done a good job in general of running routes hard, getting out of the breaks, and then obviously trying to be a factor in the blocking in the run game too. So that's been good. What's it like to have been having Jaden Wally back? He's been around a, a long time. His leadership is seeing probably every coverage you could see. Just talk about his. Yeah, he, actually, he's done. He's done a good job. It seems like every rep I've seen him in, it seems like he's given everything he's got on that particular play, which is uh, easy for some guys to start to sacrifice that effort a little bit at this point in camp, right? It's it's been hot. It's humid. It, you're tired. Your body's sore. It's easy to kind of just give. 85% on a rep, but he seems to always be giving 100%. You know, he's played a lot of football. I mean, obviously, he's going to be a huge factor in what we do offensively. You yeah, sure. have the strong ties to the three-three-five, but you've mentioned a lot even today about the you know maybe playing some four-man front and, and things like that, and Coach Turner's talked about that too. When did that become kind of a strong topic of conversation for you all and defensively? Oh, I've talked about that all every year I've been here. As if it's the best option, we'll do it. Now, we've happened to have Tyrus Wheat the last couple of years, and so uh, – it's played to our strengths to have have three linebackers on the field. Uh, you know, I, I didn't get the chance to be here in, in 2018, but I guarantee you, I would have been a I would have been a four four down guy that year if I had <laughs> you know those D linemen. So uh, yeah. 
Speaking of that too, the linebackers, I mean, you've been a big part too of building that group and a lot of talented guys that are a little bit younger. I mean, what's your thoughts on the guys underneath the Bookies and Jet Johnsons and JP and guys like that? I think they have a great opportunity to look at the guys who are older than them who are playing the majority of snaps and see what it takes physically, mentally, everything to get yourself prepared to play at this level and in this league, you know. Physically, what you have to do, you got to be big enough, you got to be strong enough, you got to be fast enough. And then if you're a linebacker, you're involved in the front, you're involved in the coverage, obviously all the different blitz packages. All right, so that takes a lot of preparation, a lot of stuff just outside the practice field. And uh, right now, those guys have an opportunity to learn from two vets who can mentor them and show them exactly what needs to be done. It's just whether they decide to take that opportunity or not. When you talk about those day-to-day adjustments from what you see on film and in practice each day, um, with how you process that as a coach, has that changed compared from when you were a defensive coordinator to head coach, or is this sort of the same, I guess, strategy that you handle that way? Well, I'm involved on the defensive talk still some. So, I mean, some of this stuff is schematic, right? We yeah. talk, oh, the offense ran this play, and it, it torched us, right? We got we to find a way to account for that. That's kind of normal every day, just football. X and else. Obviously, uh, now I have to evaluate how we look as a team, right? Are we getting enough reps? Uh, did we maybe push them a little too far? And it looks like we, our quality of work's, you know, dropped off a little bit. So, um, you know, you have to make those decisions, obviously, too. So I'm doing more of that now than I did the last couple of years, right? Someone else got to make those decisions. But, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's fun to do. How are you and the staff, right? How are you and the staff right now divvying up the snaps, getting your veterans the work, but also breaking, you know, developing the new guys as well at this stage of camp? Yeah, with the meat and potatoes practices and you're kind of you're, you're too deep and obviously those top level three guys who you know are going to be part of the rotation, mm-hmm. right? So And then uh, some days we cut the vets out of here a little early and then keep the younger guys for, for development. Um, obviously, you can structure walkthroughs where you get more time with the young mm-hmm. guys. So we kind of do that. Kind of how Spivey kind of fit in so far with the offense and everything? No, Spivey's done good. Like, one of them guys, right? He's obviously big enough and strong enough to do some things for you blocking-wise, right? And, yeah, he's got enough athleticism to to run some routes and obviously really good blocking out on the perimeter for screens. You know, you throw a screen out to Tulu and you got Spivey covering up a DB. That's a pretty good guy who's 6'5", covering up, a, you know, most teams' nickels or safeties are anywhere probably 5'11 to 6'1 type bodies in there, right? So you have a size advantage there in the blocking. So that's been good. He's played in a ton of big games. I mean, the national championship <laughs> yeah. game. I mean, so he kind of knows. Some people would characterize it as that, yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, you know, he's played massive games in his career, so he's, he knows what it takes to get there. Like, Is that something that, you know, could pay dividends for this team? And how kind of big do you think that could be, a guy that's had that experience? I think age and experience always pays dividends, right? I mean, you do not want to be running out with a whole bunch of True freshman and redshirt freshman playing a whole bunch of snaps for you. That's uh, that's a recipe for disaster. I can't speak to college basketball, right? It's a, probably a different formula there. I know about the Fab Five, but I never heard about the Fab Eleven in, in college football, right? It, that's not a you want you want age and experience and guys who have been through it because f- physical maturity matters a lot. It matters in basketball too. I don't I, basketball coaches don't take the games from Coach Jans, but right. Uh, closer you get to the line of scrimmage, the more physical age, experience, all of that matters. Daniel Forrest come out and plays a true freshman at the corner, right? 
it's physical out there to a degree, but not nearly as physical as lining up as a freshman D lineman when you got 650 pounds double teaming you, right? So that was a long-winded answer. But, yeah, I would prefer to be older and more experienced. Finally. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.